You're listening to the No Formula Podcast, episode number 54. Welcome back to where we chat with a different entrepreneur every week, from app developers, sales experts, and coaches, to authors and social media influencers. We focus on their journeys, how they built their businesses, and the lessons they've learned along the way. Together, we confirm that there is no formula to success. I want to thank all the listeners that have been supporting the No Formula podcast. Be sure to leave a review on Apple Podcasts to let me know what you think about the interviews and don't forget to subscribe. I met Tulio Siragusa through LinkedIn and I was on his podcast, The Rant and Grow Podcast. The whole premise is about guests opening up and Tulio helping them through any blockers in their lives. Tulio is also the Chief Strategy Officer at Encora, where he focuses on scaling businesses as opposed to building them. And you're thinking, well, Laura, don't you interview entrepreneurs? Tulio was an entrepreneur and he started many ventures. However, he realized he had intrapreneurial skills. And in this episode, we talk about entrepreneurship, his experiences, and what he learned along the way. Tulio is also the co-host and producer of Dojo Live, a daily show about innovators in the technology industry. We talk about creating content and building a community. This episode is super valuable for entrepreneurs as Tulio discusses his biggest mistakes as an entrepreneur, how Dojo Live reaches 45,000 people, and how he manages all these projects. Check out Dojo Live after listening to this episode in the meantime, you do not want to miss how you can save time by following Tulio's productivity strategy called Mini Week in a Day. Hi, Tulio. Thank you so much for being on the No Formula podcast. How are you today? I'm good. Thanks for having me, Laura. Glad to be here. I'm super excited. So I want to dive in and I want to ask you, can you tell everyone about the projects that you are currently working on. Just give us like a, a nice overview. <laughs> <laughs> How much time do we have? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> I knew it. I knew it. Okay. Tell All right, us let's, about them. Let's see. Let's see. Uh, my full-time job is a running strategy for a software engineering company, previously known as Nearsoft, now known as Encora. That just basically means what I do is I work with clients, uh, technology companies, to help them keep their roadmap on track. So I'm the go-to guy to help them figure out, you know, how are they going to meet the needs of uh, the market? How many uh, do they need to step up their teams? Are they thinking about methodologies and tools that they can bring into uh, light to do their work, to to, to uh, facilitate their work. So, you know, having been in tech for 31 years, uh, I've learned a thing or two that I tend to share with these CTOs of VPs of engineering. So that's my full-time job. <laughs> uh, um, then I also produce and host, uh, co-produce and co-host Dojo Live, which is um, a live video broadcast uh, several times a week. We're on um, um, every day except Friday. Uh, and we're keep, we keep adding segments to it. And what we do is uh, we interview CEOs and CTOs and founders of technology companies. We call them luminaries. These are the movers and shakers of the technology industry. And 
we showcase uh, authority figures in this uh, space that they represent. So the intent of the show is to highlight two things. One, what they're doing that's emerging, that's disruptive, that's interesting, that other people will be curious to learn about, and why people want to work for them. So we talk about culture quite a bit, about what makes them unique, what makes them different. And that's because half the audience are C-level executives who would potentially be customers of theirs, and the other half or what I call people of interest, i.e. potential employees. So we try to highlight um, the best of those companies, both in what they're solving in the marketplace and how they're doing it inside their walls as a company. Uh, and that's a growing audience base. And uh, again, we're adding segments uh, every week. We're continuing to add more segments. So uh, I love that. Because I love it. It's fun. And yeah, I see it on Instagram. Yeah, it, well, on Instagram, what I do is I post the the recap show, which is on Monday, and it's 10 minutes. So I, we cover all the shows from the previous week and all the highlights in 10 minutes. It's like the, the, the sports highlights <laughs> of what we talked about inside of 10 minutes. It's a challenge to do it in 10 minutes, but we get it done. Uh, so I post that on Instagram on Mondays. Uh, and I, I really enjoy it. It's a great tool for us to build relationships with companies that we like and many of those companies we do business with so it's actually a good marketing tool for us as well so it's got a a dual purpose do something cool and unique and yeah. uh, that differentiates us in the marketplace and build relationship with potential customers so it's kind of a win-win for everybody involved so Do dojo live is your project but it's for and Encora, I'm sorry, I don't know if I got yes, that right. Yes, so the sponsor is Encora, which uh, mm -hmm. owns Dojo Live. And uh, it started out as this humble sort of uh, video chat between tech engineers mm -hmm. uh, five years ago. And uh, it was on and off different times of the week and so on. But when I joined uh, almost three years ago, I looked at it as an opportunity to turn it into a full-fledged media platform. Mm -hmm. And so we went on this journey to highlight emerging technology companies, speak to founders of those companies, and talk about what makes their companies unique, really focus on the cultural aspect of their business. And uh, so it's become, uh, the audience keeps growing, so it's become a dual uh, purpose show. One is a relationship building opportunities for Encora uh, for potential clients and two, a standalone media platform that actually has audiences that are hungry for this kind of insights and knowledge and mm -hmm. discussions. And we do it inside 30 minutes and it's live. So it's one take, no mistakes, <laughs> you know, and, and we broadcast it across multiple platforms, Facebook, Twitter, um, LinkedIn, YouTube, Twitch, and Daily Motion is the latest one that we've added it to. So, hmm. uh, so my dream for Dojo Live is that Fortune Magazine or someone like that will pick it up and syndicate it, and we will reach mainstream business audiences, maybe even CNBC. If you're listening, we'd love to <laughs> syndicate that show there. They're uh, definitely because, listening to the well, listen, podcast. After, <laughs> after interviewing 300 CEOs, you know, mm. over a few years, you kind of live, you, you get really good at understanding the pulse of what's happening in the tech industry. Mm -hmm. And, and you can uh, 
formulate all kinds of connection points between one company and the other and start to see trends of what's going to happen next. So um, it's helped me tremendously in my work with clients as a strategist because I have preview talking hand, you know, directly to the guys who are making this happen, not just reading about it on some, you know, Forrester report. I'm actually speaking directly to the people creating the market, uh, what's happening, what's going on. It helps me to provide a better, better strategy for clients. So it's a win-win for everyone involved. Uh, we give a voice to these technology companies to reach audience, to potentially get customers out of it. And, we gain relationships with them and also helps me grow and learn what's going on in the industry that I can serve my clients even better. I love so, that it has a dual purpose as it contributes to getting clients, but then it also really acts as its own media platform where it just kind of growing on itself. Exactly. On its own. Yes. That's so, the end goal for us, which is, yeah. you know, to, uh, to turn it to a point where it has enough audience that it can stand on its own because then mm -hmm. we can, we can move on to other topics and even expand beyond the tech industry, right? That allows us to free ourselves to go talk to all kinds of different companies because now we have sponsors that are basically paying for the time and energy everybody's yeah. putting into right now, you know, the main sponsor is is the company I work for, which mm -hmm. so it's it, the purpose is how do we get value for that from this for for the company and how do we create value for the guests and ultimately build something long term that can stand on its own. So that's kind of where we're at with that and very happy with the progress we've made. And, I see you guys growing just all your activity. I I'm very curious right now before you get syndicated, which is your best platform? Is it YouTube? Is it LinkedIn? Is it Instagram, Facebook? You know, it's interesting. Uh, we have different channels, right? So we multicast on both my pages, Dojo Live's pages, and Encora's pages. And depending on which platform, some of the pages perform better than the others, right? Mm. Um, interestingly enough, we get some good traction on Facebook, really great traction on Facebook. We also get really good traction on the website itself, right? Hmm. So the show is also playing live on the website and then people can watch it anytime they want to. So it's not just the audience when it's live, which reaches about 45,000 business users. It's, you know, on a weekly basis, each show reaches about 2000 for that week. But then there's the long tail people who come back uh, yeah. on the website. And the website is, is SEO optimized. And we have additional plans too. Um, the chief marketing officer of the company of Encora is going to start featuring some of the Dojo Live shows tied to some specific vertical expertise that the company has. So we will tie in uh, companies that can talk to various topics that are relevant to uh, vertical industries that we want to we want to go after so that'll create more momentum and more audience and more um, uh, uh, marketing if you will for the show but ultimately it's it's creating a platform that can stand on its own I want it to be the YouTube of business you know uh, mm -hmm. where people can come and learn about all kinds of emerging technology and learn about different cultures and literally learn and grow from the things that they're experiencing. A lot of what we talk about is um, how to deal with multinational 
environments? How do you deal with communication gaps in multinational environments? How do you relate in environments where it's appropriate to say one thing in Canada or the US, but it's not appropriate to say that in Japan, for example. Mm -hmm. So rather than demonizing our differences, our goal is to try to bridge the cultural gaps through education. And that education happens by asking questions to entrepreneurs who vulnerably you know, express where they have failed <laughs> to, to create that, which is great lessons to learn and where they're, where it's working well. So we try to mix up also, sometimes we have guests that are not tech companies that are like um, guests who specialize in change management or specialize in um, emotional intelligence and helping organizations and leaders grow, coaches, et cetera. And we try to inf infuse some knowledge base that people can learn. And as a company, as an organization, we're big on freedom at work. So uh, we're always looking for organizations that are thriving through empowerment. Mm -hmm. And so we're, you know, from a, from a higher purpose perspective, we're also trying to propagate this idea that you can grow a business by empowering and sharing authority with your employees. You can actually create an environment where everyone is committed and dedicated and acting as if they are the CEO and mm -hmm. you can treat everyone as adults and everyone can act as adults. So you don't have to micromanage or check over people's shoulders and you don't have to do the things that a lot of companies do in corporate America, which is uh, the jockeying for position, the CYA tactics, none of that stuff needs to happen if you have the kind of environment, which is all about empowerment and freedom. So we try to talk to companies that are embracing that concept and we bring practitioners of that concept to try to also educate about the possibilities of doing business differently and running organizations differently than the traditional command and control structure that's been around for, I don't know, since the beginning of time. Yeah. And I think, I think you just answered my question. I was going to say like, in terms of, let's say a smaller company, who wants to be to to build a channel similar to what you're creating at Doja Live, right? How can we like? Do you have advice for them on how to create something that brings in references of clients? You know, because and I think in the last section of your explanation, you said that what you're doing is just providing value over and over and over again, and that's how you're gaining such traction in building your audience but other than providing value how can a smaller team replicate this success of dojo live and maybe provide a roadmap because i know you like doing those <laughs> <laughs> so great question so um i'm a big believer that of the concept of giving right mm -hmm. um so how can you give without expecting anything in return how can you create value immediately for those who could potentially be your clients mm -hmm. so what we did is is created a platform that gives immediate value to a potential client without expecting anything in return psychologically you already set the precedence that these are guys who are creating value for me and not expecting anything in return it's all about me as the guest it's all about them we're focusing 100% of on highlighting the best of what they have to offer. So immediately we're exposing what they have to offer and creating value for them. Now to create that value, you also have to make investments. So if you're a small company trying to figure out how do I 
create value by doing a podcast or a video blog or et cetera. So one of the things we did is we also made some commitments to build up certain personas and we invested to build up those personas. And so it wasn't just the showing up and do a dojo live. It was also a commitment to start a blog every week and to start another podcast every week and to post on social media and to add value to the audience there and build a following. So it's been a almost three year journey of continuous contribution without any price tag or any call for action other than to mm -hmm. just build a following. So I have, um, Personally, I have a blog that comes out every week. I have another podcast that comes out. I uh, so post every every day, and then we've expanded that so the company's posting every day. And the idea was to build up the influencer, if you will, right? So, uh, so that so that because people end up following the host or the influencer, and mm. through association, whoever the influencer is associated with benefits, right? So I always say, and this I'm doing too with some of the new hosts on Dojo Live, we're adding new segments just recently on Wednesday mornings, and I have a new host who's actually the president of our digital uh, business unit. And, and this is the advice I said. I said, Rob, you need to start posting every day you need to build your persona you need to start a blog you need to basically give reasons why people should tune in to listen to you it's not because to tune in to listen to dojo, to dojo live why should they tune in and listen to you so my advice is if you're a small business and you're trying to find creative ways to uh, create value for your customers commit to the energy and the effort that's required and the other thing is have patience Mm -hmm. It's a long tail effort, right? Um, you know, one of my mentors, Dave Meltzer, said, you know, it took like Gary Vee, I don't know, something like 10 years to build his following, right? But if he had to do it again today, it would probably take 20 to 25 years. It's that much harder because there's a lot more influencers. The algorithms are a little bit more tricky. Mm -hmm. So you have to give yourself the long tail patience to say, I'm going to build an audience base over the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. And so the commitment I made as a brand, as a personal brand was, I'm going to commit to build myself up as a following for the next 10 years. Mm -hmm. I'd like to reach over a million people and it's going to take me 10 years. So that sets the stage that you are committed every week, every day to do what you need to do to build yourself up, to get to that point. If you set a, a strategy to say, I got to get it done in six months, you will give up and stop trying because yeah. here's what happens. After a year of blogging, I had uh, Innovation Briefing Magazine pick up the blog. They reach 100,000 readers a week. After two years of blogging, Positively Positive Magazine just, be, just made me an active contributor. They reach 4 million uh, readers a week right? So Easy. as you start to build presence and people read your stuff or hear your stuff, you get exposure. And if what you're doing is creating value and it's good, some people take an interest in that and they take an interest in you. And that allows you to continue to expand. So there is something that happens, this sort of acceleration as you put in all this energy and effort over two, three years that mm -hmm. then starts to happen. I'm just beginning to see the beginning of this acceleration after almost three years. So my advice to businesses is commit to doing it, 
do the work every day, hustle, and be patient because it is a long-term yeah. play. Well, other than patience, I really love what you said about building a community. Because when we think about building a community, we think, oh, the people who we're talking to. However, you're also building a community within your network, as in you have this pod, this daily show for Encora, then each host is starting to build their own community. And together you're creating like this web of super immersed um, individuals with the audience. So let's say the, your co-host, people like, you know, watching or listening to her podcast more than another co-host. And then all of a sudden you, you're targeting different audiences and bringing them all back to the main podcast. Now my hands are going crazy for the people who are just listening to this, but basically a web all back to the center. <laughs> Yeah. And, and, and the thing is this, the, the model we've adopted is similar to the publishing business. If you mm -hmm. want to get a book published today, you need to show up with readers. Yeah. It's not like it was back in the day. You had a great book and the publisher said, don't worry, we have millions of readers. No. Now what they look for is we have millions of readers, but we want to add more readers. So what's the value we're going to get to publish you? So mm -hmm. you have to show up with readers. You have to have a following these days. So we've taken a similar approach, which is if you want to be a host on Dojo Live, show up with audience, add to the audience, expand the audience. So to your point, that's exactly what we're doing. I want to get to a point where we have multiple shows running 24-7 because we're international. I'm working mm -hmm. right now with, with, our, uh, folk, with our friends in Australia to actually begin to do a show in Australia. So it'll probably be, I don't know, 3 o'clock in the morning in the U.S. and local Australia time in the afternoon. So the goal is to get to a place where the people coming on are not just tapping into the audience we've created, but are adding more audience. And that benefits everyone because now we, like you said, creating this web and creates more presence, more value, more mm. reasons why guests want to participate because we are now reaching more and more people. So, and that's the other thing too, over the past few years, we've been able to attract better and better guests, um, more bigger and bigger companies because we have, now have a reach. And mm. I only envision that to continue to grow exponentially as we get more reach and be able to attract even more guests who would want to showcase what they want to their their business i'm so excited for that point i'm looking forward to it i know it's gonna happen i know it thanks which is so, awesome and so that brought me to your question how many things you're working on so there's <laughs> you mean the first question <laughs> I've, I've i've alluded to it so it's 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 uh ancora the strategy work i do with clients yep. dojo live mm -hmm. my rant and grow podcast which is a life coaching podcast which is awesome uh, which you were a guest on. Mm -hmm. um, and then I'm also blog every week. Mm -hmm. And um, and then what else? Did I forget anything? Oh, yeah. And I have a family, too. <laughs> to take care. <laughs> Just in case and they're some, listening to this, he didn't forget you. <laughs> sometimes, sometimes I get a little time for myself. Um, so you have to be very, very efficient with your time mm -hmm. and i love the words david Meltzer uses you have to be a student of your time so mm. one of the things i learned many many years ago is this uh, and, and created this uh which is in one of my my books this concept of the mini week in a day and 
it's basically a system where you get really efficient with how you use your time and you break your time into blocks of concentrated energy, right? Because multitasking is actually very detrimental to how your brain processes information and it mm -hmm. slows us down. We think we're doing things faster, we're not. We're actually slowing down. So I've had to adopt really great uh, methodologies for managing my time more efficiently because how do you, you know, how do you do all this stuff? And by the way, mm -hmm. I wrote a book while this was going on. So it's, it's, you know, you have to be very efficient with your time. Mm -hmm. And you've got to be very disciplined on how you use your time. Um, and so, and use the tools that are available to you. There's technology that enables you to do things. Like I put things on my calendar. People laugh. Like I put on my calendar, trim your nose hair. And someone's like, really? I'm like, you have to put that on your calendar? I'm like, yeah, because I've got so much going on. I might, you know, mm -hmm. I might show up on a show and there's hair coming out. of That doesn't look cool. And I have to put a reminder on there. So everything, as much as you can, mm -hmm. plan it write it down and put it into a calendar because it'll make your time more efficient. The less you're thinking about what you got to do next, yeah. the more you can be in action. And exactly. believe it or not, if you analyze how much time gets wasted, just trying to plan what you got to do next, it's hours a day. You add mm -hmm. that up in a month, it's days. You add that up in a year, it's like a month worth of time just wasted that you could be more efficient with. You know, it could mm -hmm. be as simple as like, you know, cut down one coffee break uh, you know, from two, that yeah. might save you a, a whole hour in, in, in a day that could add up to a lot more productivity. I mean, people are like, well, I'm not going to give up my coffee, but at some point you have to be willing to say what's important to me to mm -hmm. get all these things done or another cup of coffee, right? I'm just using coffee as an example yes, of, of being disciplined with your time. Yeah. And I think the key and what I found a difference in my day as well is that when you start writing everything down, you don't have to think about it anymore, right? So it's not that you're writing down, oh, trim your nose hairs. It's not that you're going to forget that. It's that you stop thinking about all the little things and you start thinking about the bigger picture. You start focusing on the larger tasks at hand, like a blog. What am I going to write about the blog? If you start focusing on that, that's going to contribute to your end goals. However, trimming your nose hairs, you can just write that down. No problem. You'll just see it in your calendar and get it done. Exactly. I mean, people sometimes like, oh, when is this happening tomorrow? It's like, I don't know. It's on my calendar somewhere. When it shows up, I do it. Yeah. So I literally just present, show up present to, oh, I need to do this right now. Great. But also yeah. how you organize your time is important. Try to do all your emails in a certain block of time. Try to do all your mm -hmm. research in a certain block of time. Try to do all your phone calls, all your meetings. So you batch the, work. I batch work. Do you do right. it per day or per week? Per day. Okay. So take us yes. through a day. All right. So uh, yeah, tell so us a little bit the more. Mini, the mini week in a day looks like this. Mm -hmm. You first have to analyze 72 hours of how you use your time. Mm -hmm. So you write down every movement, right? If you, if you ever, if anyone's ever watched that movie, The Pursuit of Happiness with Will Smith, one of his competitive advantage, the character's competitive advantage is that when he would make a broker call, he would not hang up the phone and dial the number. He would just press the hang up click button and dial another number. And he was able to gain, I don't know, two or three more calls per day than mm -hmm. all these other competitors, just by simply reducing his movements, right? So the idea is you have to first figure out all your movements. And three days is an effective way to get a good sense of all your movements. Write down 
drink some water, sleep, uh, went to the bathroom, went for a walk, had a phone call. In each category, write it down, what, what it was, phone call, email, meeting, all of it for, for 72 hours. Then you look at all the various movements and you put them into categories, right? So you group them and you say, okay, how much time do I sleep? How much of, what percentage of my time is spent sleeping? What percentage of my time is spent doing emails? What percentage of my time is spent doing phone calls? What percentage of my time is spent eating? What percentage of my time is spent reading or just daydreaming? You write that down too, daydreaming, right? <laughs> so, so once you get a sense of the percentage of your time spent on all these things, then you can set up your schedule every day in blocks, right? So you say, okay, I'm going to work 12 hours. I have 12 hours to work with and I'm going to do, okay, 20% of my time is needed for phone calls. So I'm going to block, you know, 20% of the 12 hours for phone calls. Mm -hmm. uh, it looks like I use X amount of percentage of my time for, you know, emails. So I'm going to block this in my calendar. And on your calendar, you literally put phone calls and you put that block of hour and you put emails and then you put the sub context behind them. In other words, what phone calls are you going to make? What emails do you need to work on? So my calendar looks very much like blocks of activities. Mm -hmm. I call them movements. And then within each one of those blocks of activities is all the things that I need to do. What happens is as you start to practice this, you start to uh, realize that you bend time in your favor. It sounds like a crazy sci-fi idea, but what I'm saying, it works. And, and you, you have to experience it to, to see it. You want to mm. call me out on this, try it, and then call me out to see if it works. So what happens is over time, you start to realize, oh, I, I originally needed two hours of phone calls, but because I'm using the system, I get everything done in an hour now. Mm -hmm. So now you know, after a few weeks of practice, you redo the 72 hour analysis again. And okay. then you start to see, oh, my percentages have changed. So now you might find yourself out of those 12 hours with an extra two hours. So mm -hmm. you can decide, and you know what, I'm going to work only 10 hours instead of 12 hours, or I'm going to add another project in these two hours. So you become a student of your time, you manage it tightly, but you create a model where it's synchronized, where it's like organized. And by the way, the brain, the way it's designed, it likes to complete things. The more you complete things, the more it gives you energy, right? So, mm -hmm. so when I finish that block of time for making calls, I celebrate. Oh, I did something great. I finished all my calls. I take a two-minute break, and I celebrate mentally that I completed something. And that, that is literally my day. I completed my day in terms of phone calls for that day. Then I move on to my day in terms of emails and so on. So you start to think of your day as a mini week within the day, right? So mm -hmm. you rewire your perception of time and how you manage it. Instead of thinking that time is one day plus seven, you start thinking I have the potential of having seven days within a day. So I can get a week's worth of work done in one day. Mm -hmm. And it sounds crazy, but as you practice it, you, you actually start to cut down the percentage of time spent on things that normally would be done sporadically throughout the day without any order. Yeah. And you get really, really efficient about how you manage your time.
Because you want to check it off. You want to say, yes, my right. emails are done for that day. Right. And after doing this for about 15 years, it becomes second nature. You actually, your mm -hmm. brain processes information that way. You plan your day according to how that, uh, you literally change the way you, you process your day. Mm -hmm. And that's how you can get a lot of stuff done. It's like, how do you get all that stuff done? Well, you just got to be really good and mm -hmm. efficient on how you use your time because time is energy. Yeah. So you either spend your energy and exhaust yourself or you create a model that you complete things more often and your brain rewards you with more energy. It's weird how it works that way. It's proven by science. And so you end up having a longer, more productive day where you finish the day not exhausted. Now, yeah. don't get me wrong. By the time Friday comes around and the end of Friday, I am tired, right? Yeah. But I, am, I have stretched my model to the maximum possibility already <laughs> over almost two decades, right? So uh, any, any normal person going through just trying to get their job done for the week mm -hmm. will find themselves with a lot more time and a lot more relaxation opportunities. Uh, yeah. And those who want to hustle will find themselves with a lot more time to take on more to hustle. And I like, I like the part where you said that after a few weeks and you start becoming more efficient, that's when you start reevaluating. Because sometimes I'm sure if people are looking after three days and they see that they watch TV for 20 of those hours, they're going to want to change things right away. However, in your Absolutely. model, should they, should they change it right away or should they, you know, adjust only after two weeks of doing their new batching schedules? Well, look, Laura, the key to growing is keen self-awareness, right? Mm -hmm. And the minute you become aware of how you're using your time and you see the inefficiencies, then mm -hmm. you, you have a choice to make, right? Yeah. You can say, oh, I spent 20 hours watching TV. Is that, am I okay with that? Yeah. And if you're okay with that, then you accept fully where you are and you're going to stay where you are. Right. Yeah. But if you realize, oh, I'm not okay with that, uh, I'm going to reorganize myself where I'm going to limit it to X amount of time because I still want to watch it, but I'm going to be more, you know, uh, conscious about it. I'm not just going to just do it unaware of what's going on. So you become a lot more self aware of how you use your time and also your priorities. Right. Because you could say, oh, yeah, that's not my priority is this business and growing it. But then you're showing up, you know, doing 20 hours of television in three days. Is it really your priority or is it watching yeah. TV? Right. You start adjusting so things. You start to see the truth and you can't mm -hmm. lie to yourself when you see it in numbers. Right. Because yeah. math doesn't lie. So it just looks at you straight in the eye and you're like, <laughs> oh, I can't I can't hide from this. No one's told me this. I did this analysis myself. So you come face to face with your own truth. And then you have to make choices based on that truth. Yeah. I, I want to sh shift gears a little bit here um, because I know at one point in your professional career, you were an entrepreneur. And I want to touch on that briefly, if you don't mind. Um, can you tell us about your experience about being an entrepreneur and what you were doing as an entrepreneur? So um, I would say that most of my career have been what's called an intrapreneur, um, mm. building new product, new ideas, uh, new tackling new market opportunities within an existing company. So the difference between an intrapreneur and an entrepreneur is 
the entrepreneur is funded by a business that's already in place, right? So, but you end up having a full-time job plus your part-time job that you're trying to build. Uh, so in essence, you, you have to be a hustler, no matter whether you're an entrepreneur or entrepreneur. The entrepreneur doesn't have the luxury of the backing, so has to basically find a way to generate revenue and support themselves on their own. And it's a lot of work. And some people get funded and some people bootstrap and some people self-fund themselves. I tried to be an entrepreneur uh, building a, a mobile social platform before we even had smartphones, before we had 4G or even 3G technology, and had a some early success building this company called M3 Mobile out of the UK. Uh, Universal Mechanic called it the next thing now. I mean, we're talking about the, the ability to tag pictures and videos. We were doing live streaming from events and clubs way before even Facebook had this kind of technology. So mm -hmm. we even created geofencing advertising technology where based on your location, you can have targeted campaigns from local advertisers. We created some pretty... Uh, progressive technology for its time, maybe a little way ahead of its time. <laughs> um, and, and, um, and I learned a lot of things from there. And that is that don't assume that things are always going to go perfectly according to plan, right? So 2008 came around, the markets started collapsing they first started collapsing in, the, in Europe and the UK, then it followed in the US, one of the worst recession we ever experienced. No one could plan for that, right? I certainly couldn't plan for that. So here you are trying to raise series A to take the company to the next level. And you don't, you know, people are not biting because there's, there's no investments happening. And I kept thinking, gosh, if I had just been a lot more prudent with the initial investments, I probably could have given us more legroom to grow this business, but you're thinking this money is never going to dry up and it's always going to be accessible. So let's learn. Don't plan like everything is going to go smooth because it won't. Right. Um, and that ended up costing me personally a lot, like, like to the tune of bankruptcy in millions of dollars. Oh my and goodness. The other, the other lesson I learned is don't have a chip on your shoulder. That's just ego, right? Don't try to prove something. If something's not the right time, pivot quickly, get out quickly, move on to the next thing. A lot of lessons learned for first-time entrepreneur. Uh, and then I've had a couple of other uh, entrepreneur ventures similarly uh, where I tried. I get, you get the itch to try to build something. One of them happened just as my father was, uh, was uh, dying from cancer, and I just didn't have it in me to, uh, to move forward with that. So one thing I learned about myself and this I think is really important. And there's nothing wrong with accepting this about yourself. Some people are really good at building something from scratch. And some people are really good at taking what's been built and scaling it. Mm -hmm. I'm the guy who's really good at scaling it. This is, if you look at my 31 year career, most of my success has been scaling businesses where the founders maybe grew to 20, 40 million, but couldn't grow beyond that because a lot of founders have the uh, chase shiny itis disease, right? They're, they can't stay yeah. the course of something because they're wired to be entrepreneurs to go build stuff, right? So there's only a few Bill Gates and Larry Ellison's in the world that can take their companies from startup to billions of dollars. The rest seem to struggle to take their businesses to 100 million plus. Mm -hmm. And so many of them have been smart to say, let's bring in some strong, you know, number twos or right hands 
to bring in the rigor and the playbooks, then the experience and the knowledge to scale the business. I'm that guy. I'm the guy who's been brought in to help scale the business. And I own that. And so you get to a point where you realize, you know what, I'm the, I'm the guy good in the trenches. I like getting my hands dirty, getting into the weeds, solving the problems, working to grow the business and scale it, creating opportunities for people, and basically creating a repeatable model. And within that, there's a lot of things you could do that's still entrepreneurial. You can create new products, new ideas that you could bring to market, like, like doing a video show or a podcast mm-hmm. or, you know, or a, a, um, uh, we, we worked on this mastermind group. Uh, we gave it a different name. We called it a leadership circle. Uh, mm-hmm. So there's, there's things you can do to creatively tap into those entrepreneurial juices, if you will, within an existing business. And the company benefits from it, but also the individual benefits because now I don't have to go leave and scratch that itch somewhere else and take a risk of mm-hmm. it not panning out, right? Because I don't have the patience for doing a startup, right? I'm more like, let's scale it and grow it. So you have to own who you are and what you're good at. And don't look at it as like, well, well I could do that too. Well, no, some people are really wired to to hustle and scratch and, and, and have that kind of grit to start from scratch. Mm-hmm. And some people are really good at scaling and building and, and rebuilding and, 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 and replicating things in a way that becomes scalable. So you have to own who you are and what you're good at. And so the lesson for me was that I quickly learned the very hard way <laughs> that what I'm good at is helping companies that are, that have potential for growth scale. Mm-hmm. So firstly, I'm sorry about your father. Um, and second of all, my question is for people who are starting their entrepreneurial journey or are struggling to take it to the next level, do you have advice for them or maybe like a checklist of questions that you can ask yourself to make sure that you are doing what you're actually really good at? So my first piece of advice is check your ego at the door. Mm. Uh, and live by this simple model, commitment before ego. Commitment before ego. So what that means is it's not about you. It's not about you proving anything. It's about what you're creating and why you're creating it. And ultimately, it's about bringing people that are going to make that happen, that are going to participate, and are going to do it because they're excited equally. And getting yourself out of the way, right? So mm-hmm. it's, I think the, a founder or a CEO's job is to basically replace themselves. Create a yeah. model where you can empower people to be co-leaders to, who want to build a business as badly as you do. And get yourself out of the way. And focus on the thing, the one thing that you really love doing, right? So if you're a product kind of a CEO, focus on the product strategy. If you like working with the board and the finances, then focus on that. If you're more of a sales, a marketing CEO, then focus more on that. And let other people that are better than you do the rest. That's the so biggest hard. Mistake, that's very hard because, mm-hmm. it's, that's, again, going back to my simple model. Mm-hmm. commitment before ego yeah every every time an entrepreneur gets tripped up about wanting to do everything that's just ego 
Yeah. They have a chip on their shoulder. They're trying to prove something to themselves or others. And that is doing a disservice to their business and to everybody involved. Just focus on what you're really good at it, own it, and bring in the rest. When the company grows and succeeds, give the credit where the people have done it. But by the way, don't forget, and no one will forget, you chose these people. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so, that's true. And that's true leadership. Empowerment is true leadership. You don't have to know everything down to a, you know, down to a science. You just have to pick the right people. And yeah. that requires being humble enough and vulnerable enough to acknowledge where you're not great at things and bring in people that are better than you at those things. Because ultimately, if you bring a team of people that are all good at different aspects of the business, now you create a powerhouse that's unstoppable. And that powerhouse is a reflection of you. You don't have to do all those things. You just have to put it together correctly and get out of the way. That's my advice. I love that. So the last question I ask all my guests is the same, but I think, I think you answered it, but I'm just going to ask you as a formality. This is the no formula podcast because there is no single formula to success. So I want to ask you, what do you think is your formula that got you to your success today? I ultimately, for me, it, it was about uh, learning to be powerfully vulnerable. Hmm. Yeah. So, and what I mean by that is just be authentic. Don't try to uh, make believe you, you can do things that you don't know how to do. And also become so self-aware of yourself that you can explain why you do certain things, right? Mm-hmm. So <clears throat> one of the things that I've done historically, when I'm feeling a little insecure, I can overtalk. I'll be in a meeting and over talk and just talk too much, right? Or I start trying to like prop myself up to convince the other person that I know what I'm doing, right? Mm. That's an insecurity. And if the sooner you can get to telling your peers and coworkers, hey, listen, if you find me doing that, it means I'm a little insecure. Can you just, you know, let me know everything's cool? Like be vulnerable with people to let them know where you have your weaknesses, and trust that they have your best interests at heart. Because when you're authentic and you're genuine, most people are not going to take advantage of that. Most people are going to want to see you win because mm-hmm. everybody likes to see the genuine, vulnerable, authentic person win. What nobody likes to see win is the person who's cocky and obnoxious, <laughs> yeah. right? Yeah, that's so, so true. Just be real and be vulnerable and be yourself. Don't be duplicitous. Don't show up at home like this sweet nice compassionate individual with your family and then go to the office with this mask of the tough guy don't do that just be yourself all the time and attract people that are also going to be the same because you see what happens is when you're duplicitous you attract people that are also duplicitous now you don't create intimacy you don't create vulnerability you don't create trust in an environment like that because you don't know what you're going to get you're getting actors who are showing up Mm-hmm. playing a role so as a leader the minute you stop the act you become authentic and genuine you also attract people that are doing the same thing now you create an intimate environment where you can build trust and you can create an unstoppable company i love that what a great answer 
Um, Tulio, this was so great. Like a mini masterclass about content, about being yourself, uh, scalability, like just so many great golden nuggets in this conversation. I love it. But thank you so much for, for being here today and talking to us. And I'm super psyched to see Doja Live go nuts. <laughs> thank you for having me. It's been a pleasure. And uh, good luck I, with the podcast. want to see you keep growing as well. Thank you.